and welcome into another edition of the IdahoSports.com PrepCast presented by Steve's Hometown Toyota. I'm your host, Brandon Bainey, and coming up on today's edition of the PrepCast, well, we kind of cover a lot of different ground, uh, track and field, we talk basketball a little bit, baseball and softball, pretty much something for everybody. Uh, coming up on today's edition of the PrepCast, Michael Licklama, great writer for the Idaho Statesman, the daily newspaper over in Boise. The Statesman just uh, unveiled their All-State boys and girls basketball teams uh, for the past season it's not theirs they they pull all of the coaches and then publish the results but basically the all-state basketball teams are out we'll talk to Michael about that and also what's going on in the Boise Valley in terms of spring sports and then we're going to talk to Marvin Mum the head track and field coach at Kimberly High School the Bulldogs looking very strong again on the boys' side and could be in the mix for a girls' team title as well. And a lot of great individuals to highlight with Coach Mum. Before we get to the uh, interviews with Michael Licklama and Marvin Mum, though, got to tell you, a uh, new feature on IdahoSports.com. Every Monday morning, we publish a new edition of the IdahoSports.com Honor Roll. That's where all of the top athletic performances from the past week are highlighted and compiled into one nice, neat little place for you. We, we cover all the best from golf, tennis, track and field, baseball, and softball, all of those spring sports. And it could be all over from Coeur d'Alene over to Boise, down to the southeast corner. Malad has had a lot of good performances recently. So we cover the entire state, all the classification levels, and we highlight what we think are the best performances. Now, it's a lot of work, and we definitely, uh, some athletes fall through the cracks sometimes. That's where you can help out. If you are a coach or a player or a fan or a parent, and you've got a nomination for the IdahoSports.com honor roll, send us an email, brandon at IdahoSports.com. That's, that's my email address. I'm the one who puts the list together. Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, at IdahoSports.com. And just put honor roll in the subject line and we'll make sure the athlete you want spotlighted gets the proper recognition and already we're getting some submissions via the email so we want to see it also don't forget to like all of our social media platforms the idaho sports facebook page twitter account instagram account and on our youtube channel most of these interviews we do for the idahosports.com prepcast we also upload to our youtube channel so you want to subscribe to all of those things and of course if you're a fan of the prepcast and, and the work we're doing here please rate review and subscribe to the podcast this is now available wherever you get your podcasts apple stitcher google uh, it's on spotify so really wherever you can get your podcasts whatever your preferred podcast delivery device is you can find the idahosports.com prepcast and just uh, give us a good rating five stars preferably <laughs> uh, review it if you want and also subscribe uh, that really helps our numbers helps uh, us uh, it allows us to do more content like this so please rate review and subscribe the idahosports.com prepcast all right up first here on the prepcast michael licklama from the Idaho Statesman, the daily newspaper over in Boise. We're going to talk a little All-State basketball and also what's going on over in the Boise Valley sports-wise. Joined now on the IdahoSports.com prepcast by Michael Licklama from the Idaho Statesman over in Boise. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, cool to see a new format for you guys uh, at Idaho Sports. Yes, absolutely. Trying to uh, extend the branches of the tree I wanted to bring you on this week because the Statesman just published its annual All-State 
basketball teams. This is quite an endeavor that you guys undertake. Kind of take us behind the scenes, the inside baseball. What does it take to, to put these all-state teams together? It's uh, Yeah, it's a lot of work that goes into them. Um, typically, we start uh, about towards the for, for basketball. I would start about December 1 or so, going through. We maintain a spreadsheet that has every basketball coach in the state of Idaho, boys and girls from 5A to 1A, and going through and checking to see if any of them have changed, which they – oftentimes do generally in a given year we figure somewhere between 10 to 30 percent of the coaches will turn over uh, you know just depending on the year and, and program schools it kind of fluctuates quite a bit but so we got to go through and figure out who everyone is and if they're there and if the contact information we have is still good and working through the state's athletic directors to do that and then that ends up taking probably about two months to, to finally get everyone to on the same page and responded and get that document really solid and and complete and then we send out a form for every school, every coach, boys and girls in the States to nominate any of their players. And then those nominations then build a ballot that, that we build and they choose, they rank players one through 10 in their classification about where they should be. And then the results of that are the all Idaho team. And this is for all classifications and how many players are selected to each team? So between 5A to 1A and boys and girls, there's, there's 10 for each team. So it's 120 total players that were selected. I was just looking up here by numbers. Uh, we had 341 nominations and 223 coaches that uh, voted on the final ballots. So it's it's a lot of <laughs> calculating and tabulating and crossing it off the list and checking to make sure that every school's had the chance and and bugging them again in case make sure they get caught in a spam filter and just trying to make sure we can get everyone represented as, as much as possible. Tell me you've got an intern or something to tabulate all those votes, or do you do that? Uh, we do that. We do that. I've got a little bit of a uh, spreadsheet spreadsheet skills that make it somewhat easier. It's not that easy, but it's 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 there's at least some of the math for me. Yeah. Oh, I can I can only imagine. So it's uh you you have a player of the year or an MVP for each class, and then a first team and a second team, and this is for girls and boys. What what stood out to you this year? I mean, we could go really a number of different directions. So many talented players, but right off the top, what what stood out to you from this year's selections? It's, it's always funny to kind of, you know, because I have the access to them and, and you know, kind of watch how the ballot totals go when you see swings and someone moves up or someone moves down. And so it's always kind of fun to see uh, how they go. You know, we always keep one key thing is we tell coaches that their votes are confidential so they can truly vote how they feel and not have to worry about politics and stuff like that. That comes into a lot of times with you know all league teams or, you know, is someone going to get upset or, you know, I got a campaign for my guy. And, and so it's confidential ballots. Uh, but one thing that, that really stood out was uh, we had a lot from the Treasure Valley this year, which was a surprise. You don't normally have this many. I think there were six of the 12 players of the year were from uh, teams from the Treasure Valley, which had a good year and went to, as far as winning state championships. So it's not surprising. But uh, that's always – it was a lot more than I was expecting to have six players the year. So Now, how many – because we all come into the season thinking that we know who are going to be the best players. How many of those – guys with or gals with preseason expectations actually finished at the top well i mean there's always guys like you know uh you know kobe kelly from garden valley everyone knows he's the he was a player of the year two years ago for the one i had division two classification so you know he's one of the best players uh titus here out at lapway everyone knew he was a really good player one of the best players so that's not a surprise that he won the one a division two or something one a division one boys player of the year but there's always you know surprises as two, you know DJ Green from McCall, that was a guy, you know, he figured he was a good player. I knew that, but I didn't think he was a player of the year type candidate. But the season he puts together and the state tournament he puts together specifically, definitely led to a surprise vote there. 
Yeah, and I'll just give a shout out to DJ Green as well because at IdahoSports.com, after the tournaments are finished, we give our all state tournament teams. And he was actually named the MVP of the 3A tournament despite the Vandals losing in the title game. It's it's very unusual for a, for somebody from the losing team to be named the MVP, but he really was impressive. I would have to agree with that. Uh, what about what about on the girls' side? Who who really stood out there? I mean, the Naya Joku for Mountain View was kind of a slam dunk. I think choice. You know, she, when you start setting state tournament records and you're breaking Destiny Slocum's records along the way, that's kind of a slam dunk to uh, be the player of the year. There were some small, uh, you know, surprises in the smaller school. You know, Melba had always, you know, had never really gotten over the hump. So if you don't want to say championship, it's kind of hard to win player of the year. But they got over the hump this year, and that finally got you know someone like Kate Clark. They've had fantastic players, Division One players, coming on that program over the year, but have never been able to win a, a player of the year award because They've always kind of flamed out of state, but this year they, they stepped up and finally broke through. And and a lot of times you see someone who wins state championship, that's how coaches vote. And best player on state championship team, that's your player of the year. Yeah, a lot of times it does tend to swing that way. So you mentioned you you get these in throughout the year, so you're kind of able to see in real time the voting trends and, and how things change, right? Well, we wait till the season's over till they start nominating. So you get the nominations, but then we have about a week long or a 10 day long in terms of voting processes, um, <clears throat> the, the time frame that the coach can vote. And so throughout that time frame, you see, okay, a bunch of votes came in from East Idaho. So the East Idaho kids come up. I mean, the coaches kind of generally, I mean, they're, they're really good. I would say a lot of people have these like conspiracy theories. Oh, all the SIC schools vote for their SIC players a year. It's like, well, I look at every ballot and you know, that's, that's not the case. Um, you'd actually be surprised how little they vote for players from their own area. But I mean, you definitely, you know, see that they're going to, the Meridian coach is going to vote for Meridian players generally, you know, things like that. But, but, but besides their own players, you know, and they know their own area best, but you go to state tournaments and you see a kid has a great game and kills you. He's probably going to be pretty high in your ballot too. So. Yeah. So you mentioned that the misconception maybe sometimes that uh, guys want to protect the people in their own conference, but that's not always the case. Are there, are there other um, ideas or conspiracy theories that the fans have that, that you'd like to dispel? Well, people think that we choose them and I constantly get in fights with, we do not choose them. We, I don't have a role. I don't have a vote. I just publish the results and write up the results and produce the section and you know do all the production that is involved with it. I don't, I wouldn't, feel knowledgeable enough to know, you know, who are the best players in 200 plus teams in the state of Idaho. There's just no way that I could, you know, physically could do that. And, and, and I put up our process. I've looked around, you know, the nation and around the West in terms of what those states do for their all state selection processes. And generally it's either like a sports writer panel or something like that. But, it, but again, I don't know who's the best player for Blackway girls basketball. I don't know who the best player in Mackie boys is, you know, that wouldn't really be a fair selection process either. So I would put up our process of it's it's all coach selected, it's all coach driven. We are just the counting the ballots. That's all we do. There's no dark back room where these deals are made. You're just the aggregator. And that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. You know, they always want to come after the media types and say, hey, why didn't you consider this player? Well, it's, it's out of our hands. We're relying on the coaches for that information. And you guys do get great cooperation from all of the coaches. I'm going to put you on the spot now. You... You mentioned it, Treasure Valley, that Boise area, had a lot of talented players this year. Who was the best player, male and female, that you saw personally? The best player or most valuable player? Uh, we'll do both. Let's let's do most valuable player first, and then we'll go with best player. I think, let's see, best player, I think, in terms of who's the best at their sport and the best at their 
uh, skills is Nayo Joku from Mountain View. I think she's a really special player. She's going to be one of the ones that's 10 years from now, people are going to remember, oh, yeah, oh, my, she was really good. She just really carried that team on her back. And as you saw at the state tournament, she did. I mean, she just strapped that team on her back and was unstoppable. There was no one that could even come close to containing her, and she just did whatever she wanted. As far as most valuable player, that's that's interesting. That's tough. I would say someone like DG Green at, at McCall is in that discussion in terms of where would that team be without him. I don't think they're a state championship contender without him. Uh, Kobe Kelly in Garden Valley, just what he does for that team and just a, like confidence and that they always know that they could turn to him and say, "Hey, why don't you just go take care of this? We, we need we need four points here to close the quarter. Go go get it for us." And, and he'll just do that. Garden Valley, I mean, they 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 played the smallest classification level, but I wouldn't be. Sh- I mean, I think they could have competed against several larger schools this year. They they just had talent everywhere. It seemed like. Yeah, I've always been one of the persons. I mean, my personal belief is that we just have too many classifications in Idaho. There's not there's not a need for six classifications in a small state like this, because you see these all the time. I mean, I would put, frankly, I would put Blackway girls, pretty much year in year out in a four A or five A state tournament, and they would be fine. That's how good they are. I mean, Garden Valley boys, the only teams they lost to, you know, were like two A's and three A's. So, yeah, I mean, the, these hard lines between the classifications, I think, are grossly overrated. You know, between two A to one A, there's a small difference, but not a huge difference. Five A and four A, I don't really see the big difference that everyone thinks there is. Four A and three A, it, it really blends together much more than you have, much more than people think. Yeah, we see that a lot with the non-conference competition where schools from different levels will play each other. And yeah, it's an interesting uh, topic. We might have to dive into that maybe a little little more in the offseason. Uh, let's talk about um, what's going on spring sports-wise in the Treasure Valley. Off and running, uh, two weeks ago, it was the big baseball and softball tournaments for spring break where you know there was 30 teams on both sides. What's stood out to you in the early going in, in spring sports in the Treasure Valley? Definitely seeing like Rocky softball has really taken off and they're just hammering the ball. It's just wild taking up. You go see their scores every day and two, three home runs. It seems like every game that's what Eagle kind of was a couple years ago. And I think they're actually playing here this week. So we're just going to see how that goes. Uh, Timberline baseball got a early upset win. I guess you could call it an upset win over Rocky Mountain, which was kind of the favorite in, in their conference. It's really, you know, hasn't been too many surprises, but those have been interesting. You know, we figure we know Rocky, Eagle, Timberline or the five, the 5A baseball teams to beat Rocky Mountain, Mountain View and Eagle are kind of the softball teams to beat. And that seems to be holding up. CUNA has been a little bit of a surprise coming back to the 5A level. They've held up and shown really well. I think they're undefeated as a, as of this recording. We'll see how long that holds up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been relatively true to script, but we're still sitting here on April 6th and conference play is just getting started at the 5A level. 4A, they've had a couple, they started a little earlier, but they still only have two, three, four conference games under their belt. So we're really just getting into the meat of it here. I think pretty much no matter what the sport is, you can chalk up Rocky Mountain as a contender, right? Yeah, it seems to be the case. So we're interesting to see next fall when Hawaii opens. So Hawaii's going to pull a lot of kids from Rocky and Eagle and you know a little bit from Regina, I think. But will they be that powerhouse in every sport? I would I think they will for a while, but you know, long term, does that start to eat away at some of their dominance? Yeah, so you mentioned Hawaii High School opening next year. Uh, they have to fill coaching positions. They have to fill an athletic director position, and that really got the coaching carousel going in Boise, especially among those 5A and 4A programs. It's It's been pretty interesting to see all the coaching changes in, in basketball in your neck of the woods. 
yeah, so Dane Roy from Rocky Mountain is going to take over Owyhee's uh, athletic director position, and then he's been able to pull Sherman Blazer, state championship winning football coach from CUNA. He's pulled uh, Andy Harrington, who just won a state championship at Middleton Boys Basketball over there. So it's actually been really interesting with the COVID year and everything being so quiet. Like, uh, there's been a couple times I've called around, like, am I not hearing about these coaching changes? But I think no coach wants to go out on a, you know, a football season where they only got to play half their games and, and had to do everything at half speed and had a socialist everything. No one wants to go out on that. So I think a lot of people are kind of staying put, but uh, you're starting to see it pick up here a little bit with the new school. And then that's going to cascade and have some effects of CUNA needed a new football coach, which they've hired. And then Milton will need a boys basketball coach. And, and all these things are going to kind of go. That's how it goes. Once you get started, then it waterfalls down. Yeah. And well, and you mentioned the pandemic, that's been the number one topic in high school sports this year. And especially over where you're at in the Boise area, you know, they have been very, um, they've been very reluctant to try and uh, they don't want to spike the numbers. And I totally understand that. What sort of challenges has that presented to you as, as a sports reporter here in the time of the pandemic when people aren't really allowed to, to attend events and things? Yeah, it's been, you know, like, like, unlike anything we've ever dealt with, like, I think in every aspect of our life, this has been unlike anything we've ever dealt with. Why I said I was surprised we had so many basketball teams win state championships, so many players of the year is because everything started here later. And so you had a little bit of a competitive disadvantage and everyone was worried about that early on in the year. Like, well, if you're two, three, four weeks behind teams from Idaho Falls or Coeur d'Alene or Pocatello, what's that going to look like in late February, and early March? You know, if you have a quarter of your season that you lost, that's a competitive disadvantage. But as we saw, we got a state tournament. It didn't really have that big of an effect as I think, at least I thought it was going to have. I thought we would see those East Idaho teams, those North Idaho teams maybe be a little more successful um, than, than they were just because of that competitive minutes on the courts, legs, you know, games under your belts. And that didn't really happen. Um, as far as kind of big picture overall, there was all these pushes about when we can start, what we can do, how we can do it. Uh, you know, I think we've seen about every solution under the sun possible. And what's been great and thankful and knock on wood, I mean, there's been some hiccups and I remember some volleyball teams that had to, their season end because they were in quarantine. And there was at least one basketball team that had their season end in quarantine, but it's been the exception rather than the rule. I mean, they've largely been able to get through it and say tournaments are being had. There's no, I would, there's no asterisk on anything. I would, uh, say in these seasons, you can't say like, oh, well, they won because it was COVID. Like, that's not the case anything this year. They've won. People, these teams have overcome so much more in the back they've been able to do this. Even play is impressive, let alone go through and win a state championship or do anything that they've been doing with, with all the protocols and hurdles and, and safety issues. And, and just, you know, frankly, you know, sometimes it's just scary. You know, and there's a lot of them, things to deal with <laughs> in the time that we live in. Yes, it is a brave new world for sure. And like you said, there have been very few blips in terms of we're able to hold our championship events and those have been able to go on uninterrupted for the most part. So I would say the HSAA has done a very nice job and each school district as well has done a nice job in managing the pandemic. Michael Licklama from the Idaho Statesman in Boise. Thank you for all the work uh, you do getting those all state uh, teams together, but not just that, but all the coverage you provide in the Treasure Valley. Thank you for joining us here on the IdahoSports.com PrepCast as well. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Once again, that was Michael Laglama from the Idaho Statesman over in Boise. If you want to check out those all-state basketball teams, just go to their website, idahostatesman.com. Be sure to give uh, Michael a follow on Twitter as well, at uh, Michael Laglama. That's uh, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-L-Y-C-K-L-A-M-A.
at Michael Licklama on Twitter. And I guess while we're throwing out Twitter handles, mine is at Brandon underscore Bainey, B-R-A-N-D-O-N underscore B-A-N-E-Y. And also we have our IdahoSports.com Twitter account at Idaho Sports. All right. Well, before we move on to our next interview with Kimberly track and field coach Marvin Mum, want to let you know that the prep cast is presented by Steve's hometown Toyota in Ontario, where for the 18th straight year, they've been named Toyota's President's Award winner for outstanding customer service. Don't forget to check out Steve's hometown Chevrolet, Buick, GMC in Fruitland and Steve's hometown Motors in Weezer. The Steve's hometown dealerships proud to support the hometown student athletes as sponsor of the prep cast here on Idaho Sports. Com. Moving on now to Marvin Mum, the head track and field coach at Kimberly High. Man, the Bulldogs have put up some impressive times and distances so far this year. Let's talk a little track and field now on the PrepCast. We're joined now on the IdahoSports.com PrepCast by Marvin Mum, head track and field coach at Kimberly High School. Coach Mum, thank you for taking a couple of minutes to talk with us today. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Now, I always have to ask our spring sports coaches, weather-wise, how have things been this season? We've been pretty lucky this year. We changed our track meet that was supposed to happen today to yesterday because of the wind, but we've had really good success with the weather this year. It was kind of a cold one over there in eastern Idaho during spring break, but other than that, we've been okay. Yeah, this time of year, weather, of course, is a big problem, and last year you had, on top of the weather, a secondary problem with the COVID-19 pandemic. How did that affect uh, the track and field program at Kimberly High? When, when we only had one track meet last year, it was our home track meet, and it was the very first one, and I think we were one of only two schools to even hold a track meet on our 3A level. Um, we're down about 25% participation uh, from last year. When, when, we, when we did that track meet, it was cold and it was windy, and so those young kids get their first, their first exposure to track on a cold, windy, miserable day, and then we cancel the rest of the season and they don't really get to come out in the sun and run their best and do their best. And so they just don't come back out again. Now, the, the athletes that you do have back out, though, have really impressed early on. If you look at the 3A leaderboard on the boys and girls side, there's Kimberly athletes up and down. What's What's been most impressive about your team so far this year? Um, we always have really, really good sprinters. Our sprinters have always done well since I've been the head coach. Um, we're always in the top of the state with our sprinters, but we seem to have more of them this year. Uh, we've, we've had to schedule a couple of track meets per week so that we could get them all a place to run every week because we're with, with COVID regulations and schools, school district rules, people limit events. And so, for instance, we have, as you can see on athletic.net, we have up to seven or eight of the best sprinters in the state and when you only have three entrants you got to get another track meet to get those other guys in a place to run yeah so you mentioned some of the restrictions that are in place uh, yeah what what are what are some of the hurdles metaphorically you're having to clear in terms of COVID-19 protocols well in, in our first track meet that we hosted here um I, I had to limit it to fewer schools we usually have 14 or 15 schools participating in it and we cut it down to nine this year so we had to tell some schools that they couldn't come and then of course with the the participation limits per event we always have trouble with that because some of those big meets 
to make sure it doesn't run into the next day, they only allow us three or four participants per event. So as you said, you've had to be creative in terms of scheduling guys in certain events, maybe one meet and then the next meet, putting them other spots. Uh, does that breed competition amongst your athletes when you have to do that? It does a little bit. People people like to move up, uh, especially on the relays. Uh, the younger kids hope they can make the relays. And, and for the past few years, we've been so strong with sprinters in, in our relays that they haven't been able to do that. But uh, a few of them here and there move in and are able to compete on those relays. And so they come out and they work hard so they can move up. If, if someone gets injured, we just put another person in the spot, and they want to be that person. So let's talk about some of the individuals that have really stood out, and I think the conversation has to start with Brett Bronson on the track because he's put up some of the best times, not just in 3A, but in the entire state. I mean, a sub-11, 100-meter dash, he ran a 10.93, a sub-50-second 400, 48.91. I mean, those are impressive times regardless of the level. Yeah, Brett, Brett is our premier sprinter this year. Um, he's... He's probably, um, two years ago when we went to the Boise Relays, when he was a sophomore, he actually won the 400 at the Boise Relays with all of the big schools there. And uh, one of our, our better track athletes who is going to be running at Mississippi State, Peyton Bear, graduated last year. The only race that Peyton lost in his high school career was to Brett, the 400, uh, over at the Highland Gold Baton Relays two years ago. So Brett is probably the premier sprinter in the state. So you mentioned uh, recruiting and having an athlete move on to Mississippi State last year. Has the pandemic affected that for your senior athletes at all in terms of getting exposure from those college coaches? It, It did a little bit last year. We had some kids that probably would have been recruited if we had we been able to run a couple of seniors. Um, the younger kids, they usually find them with athletic.net where they can see the times uh, throughout the year and the events that they're in. College coaches are starting to watch that a little bit. You know, you don't see very many of them at the track meets, even at the state meet. They're, they're looking at athletic.net, and, and that's good enough for them. And we have people that are scattered in on athletic.net. As we continue to profile some of the top Kimberly track and field athletes here with head coach Marvin Mum, uh, let's let's talk about Jackson Bear because he has uh, he's it's it's an interesting portfolio because he's uh, got the best time in 3A in the 110 meter hurdles, uh, best pole vault mark 14 feet six inches, and then he's second in the shot put. You know you don't usually see that combination of a hurdler, a shot put thrower, and a pole vaulter. That's true. Um... During the summers, Jackson uh, goes to the AAU meets. Now, of course, they didn't have it last year, but for his age group, Jackson has been national champion uh, athlete for his age group uh, a couple of times. As he gets older, he just gets a little bit better at it. And so because he was a deck athlete in the summer in the AAU meets, it doesn't really matter what event we put him in. He's probably going to dominate that event. Is that is that what Jackson is thinking he'd like to do, is be a college decathlete? I'm, I'm not really sure what he's planning on doing. I'm, I'm sure he will go to college on a, on a 
track scholarship. His, his father was a deck athlete um, at Utah State. His mother is a pole vaulter. Um, she managed to snatch him away, so she had a pole vaulter to coach here. Um, but I don't, I don't know what he'll do. It's... I'm sure he could be a deck athlete. He's, he's a good athlete. That's one of my favorite events to watch, uh, like when it's time for the Olympics. I, I love watching the decathletes compete. So it's it's not bad enough that you've got one bear out there dominating. You've got a second one, freshman Gatlin Bear, who's got the top uh, distance in the long jump and the triple jump in 3A. That's that's really impressive for a freshman coming right out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Well, Gatlin Bear was uh, first-team all-conference uh, defensive backfield as a freshman on the varsity. So Gatlin there is a really good athlete also. Um, all, all three, their older brother Peyton was the, the Gatorade track athlete of the year last year. No, two years ago. Nope, it was last year, I think. No, it had to be two years ago. It was two years ago he was a Gatorade track athlete of the year, and then he didn't get a run his senior season. But his two younger brothers are good in their own right. Gatlin also, just, just like Jackson, AAU track meets in the summer for his age group. He was the national champion deck athlete. And I know Gatlin really got a nice statewide introduction at the state basketball tournament a few weeks back as well. For, for those around the state that didn't know about him yet, and so it really put Kimberly on the map there. Let's talk about some of the girls that you have this year, because it's not just the guys that are dominating, but you've got, I mean, the top 10 list is littered with female athletes as well. Who's really stood out there? Um, Macy Bright has been running really, really well. I mean, every, every place we put her and she's on the list. She, she hurdles well. She, right now she's our top hurdler, one, one ten or 100 hurdler. Um, she's our top sprinter now too in the in the hundred, and she anchors the girls four by one. So she's she triple jumps too. We moved her from long to triple this year, and she's done really well at that. Um, and Shelby Moeller, Shelby Moeller is just really strong this year. She's been running the three hundred hurdles for us, and she just finally got the strength, and she just outruns everybody in that. She's also on our relay teams. So those two girls are doing a really, really nice job. Uh, and then Chloe Ward. Chloe Ward was on uh, our, our girls' team two years ago, set the state record in the 4 by 4 And Chloe Ward, when she was a freshman, was on that team. So she's running really well right now, too. So coming in, into a track season, you always have goals. Each individual athlete has goals of marks or times that they want to meet. But then uh, as, a, as a team, you have team goals as well. What, what have you set up as team goals for Kimberly High this track season? Well, for our boys, our boys, I, I believe it's in the last, at least the last two state track meets, we have been runner-up, and we have been really, really close. Their goal this year is to overcome that last hurdle. They, the boys are pretty convinced they can win a state track championship. If they all stay healthy, I don't, I don't see why that can't happen. You talk about the boys in, in the mix. Uh, have you kept an eye on what other schools are doing? Who do you view as top competition for the team title? The, the last two years when we've been runner-up, Sugar Salem has, 
has beat us by single digits both years. And it, most of it has been in the distance races. Sugar Salem gets a ton of points in the 16 and the 32. Most of their points come there, and then they scatter guys throughout. Um, we're usually leading them before the 1600 at the end of the state track meet. We're usually up by sometimes single, sometimes double, right around 10 points. And then they just go one, two, three, and the 1600, and it kind of blows us out of the water. How do you combat that? Do you have Do you have any distance runners that you think can not necessarily win, but at least steal a couple of those placements? There, there are some distance runners in our conference. We're, we're having trouble uh, catching up to some of the other runners in our conference, but we just hopefully those guys that displace us at the district track meet can run better at state and displace some of those Sugar Salem guys. And that's if what that, if that can happen, that it won't be a problem for us. We have points everywhere else, right? And that's what makes track and field so interesting and fun is because all of a sudden you've got to cheer for maybe a district rival to to knock out. You know, it's as you get later in the state meet, it's it's always fascinating to watch that as well. Girls uh, goals. What have you set for your girls team? I, I think the girls can be one of the top four teams in state. I mean, if if we can get healthy, we've got a couple of girls injured right now. Um, one that who's going to play college volleyball. She's got a stress fracture in her leg from playing so much volleyball. And she's one of our better hurdlers. She will, she may even outrun the two that are in the standings on athletic.net. If we can get her healthy for the hurdles and, and on some relays, um, we'll be okay. And we've got one of our freshman girls that's limping quite a bit. Um, has a pulled muscle in her leg. If we can get healthy, I think the girls can be in the trophies in May. I, I just don't know which color one they'll get. Right. Well, uh, Coach Mum, Marvin Mum, head track and field coach at Kimberly High School, uh, thank you for taking a, a little bit of time to talk about your team. It's been a very impressive start, and uh, we certainly hope it's a very impressive finish to the season as well. Okay, well, thank you very much. Big thanks to Marvin Mum, head track and field coach at Kimberly High, and it'll be very interesting to see how the Bulldogs perform here over the uh, final month and a half of the regular season. Yeah, we're at the point now where for some of our spring sports, you know, softball and baseball and, and tennis and things like that, you know, we've got less than a month to go in the regular season for some schools. District tournament play will be here in about a month, and then on to state, and we've got two months left in the high school regular season for sports on the calendar. So uh, continue to be with us here on the IdahoSports.com PrepCast. And again, you can find the IdahoSports.com PrepCast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, you name it, we've got it. So check us out. And please, again, remember, uh, if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, it helps our numbers out. It allows us to do more fun things here like interview more coaches and athletes, and that's really what it's all about. So thanks for listening to the IdahoSports.com PrepCast. I'm Brandon Bainey. Stay out of the wind, everybody, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. IdahoSports.com, 